Good morning. Grace and peace to you all in the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. It's a pleasure to be here today. My name is Darren Hickerson. I am an assistant pastor, part-time local pastor at a church called New Day Community Church in Louisville, North Carolina. Your pastor, Jeff Smith, Reverend Jeff Smith, is on vacation this week, and that's a good place for him to be, to find some rest and renewal. And, uh, and the message will have a lot to do with that today. In fact, the, the passage for today from Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 26, was a, a passage that was simply part of the series that your pastor has been preaching through this summer as you walk together through the book of Exodus, where Moses has led the people out of slavery in Egypt and is leading them to the promised land and all of the conflicts and trials they face as they spend way too much time wandering around in the desert trying to get there. And so this was merely the next passage in that series, and Pastor Jeff may have taken an entirely different approach with this passage today than I will be taking, and it may come across a little bit heavy at times. So what this passage is really about, that I'll read in a second here, is Moses establishing the judicial system in early Israel, how the ministry that he was taking part in and leading expanded out to bring others into leadership and ministry as well. That's what the passage is about. But it focuses on how that came about, and that's really the part that spoke to me as I looked at this passage today and would like to share with you. And, you know, I, I don't know if the direction this passage led me in this week is relevant to where you are as a church, but if it's not, it will be at some point in your life as a church. And so it's worth considering. And it's a massive message that may be a little more difficult for a, a local pastor to preach within his or her own congregation. So maybe this was an opportune or divine uh, intervention, a time for someone else to come in and deliver this message today. So let's look at this together. Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 26. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. I'm trying to see if I'm going to read the same translation. Uh, I'll read it from up there just to make sure I'm reading exactly what you all are saying. Uh, when his father-in-law, Jethro, is the father-in-law of Moses, he had come into town to see how things were going. When uh, his father-in-law saw that all Moses was saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, "What is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge, while all these people stand around you from morning till evening?" Moses answered him, "Because the people come to me to seek God's will." Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be, you must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them His decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men and women, of course, men who fear God, trustworthy, men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. 
Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over hundreds, over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In light of this passage today, I have to ask, have we placed a level of commitment on our pastors that even Jesus does not require at times, and, and key leaders in the church as well? Are we asking too much of our pastors and key leaders in the church? in such a way that it is damaging not only to their own health, physical and mental and spiritual health, but also to the very ministries that they are called to lead among you, God's people. Quick story, when I was uh, transitioning between two churches, I, in the Methodist church you get appointed every so often to a new church where there's a need. So I was appointed to a new church, and there's about a two-week period in between, that middle Sunday usually someone else fills in. And so you don't have to preach the first Sunday at the new church. And so I'd been appointed to this church, planned a vacation with my family during that interim time. And sure enough, I got a phone call during that first week. And one of the pillars of the community, a member of that church, had died. It was one of the key members of the church, longtime member, one of the few members of that church who was the namesake of the very church where he attended. His last name was the name of the church and uh, where this church had been founded about 175 years before in his family's name. And he was one of the few members to still hold that name, and he had died. So it was a major transition in the life of that, that church. And so it was a big, important event, and the family, of course, was, was grieving in this time of loss. And they, they called me and said, we want you to come early and, and sit with the family in their time of grief and help with all the funeral arrangements and do the funeral over the course of the next week or week and a half. But I had made plans to be on vacation with my family. But this is the work that we're called to in ministry. It's the work that we want to do. We want to be with you in your times of greatest need and loss. And just even considering not canceling this vacation with my family and going to be with that family just brought a tremendous amount of guilt and pressure just from trying to decide, what do I do? This is a rare opportunity for me to spend time with my family for a week, uninterrupted, no job, nothing else, uh, and to lose that opportunity for the important ministry that I was being called to do was just a really, it really tore at, at my being trying to, to make that decision. But it's the type of thing that we ask pastors to do often. Uh, you know, how much more difficult that decision would have been if I had already been pastor of that church and then had gone on vacation and had known these people. Um, how much more I would have been compelled to just cancel the vacation and go and serve with the family as most people would expect. Martin Luther, the great reform theologian, gave these two opposing statements 
about the life as a Christian in his work on Christian freedom. He says, the Christian is the most free, Lord of all, and subject to none. And a Christian is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everyone. A Christian, again, is the most free, Lord of all, and subject to none. A Christian is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everyone. Our pastors and church leaders who seek to follow God's call live within this tension of the freedom given them in Christ and yet being bound to the service to which they are called if they take their call seriously at all. The question is, when does this calling become such a burden that it leads to burnout or potentially leading to burnout? The image from this message today, when the yoke becomes a yoke, has oh, it comes from... Uh, the Gospel of Matthew from the unison passage that we just read. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give, my, give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see the picture here? I, I used to think everyone immediately understood what this passage was about, but I asked some high school students a few years ago, and they had absolutely no idea what Jesus was talking about. I guess I've been working with too many city kids over the years. But yes, indeed, the yolk we're talking about today has absolutely nothing to do with scrambled eggs. Different yolk, different spelling. If you thought that's what I was talking about, the yolk's on you. Um, I can do this all day, just ask my, fam just ask my family. <laughs> but, all, all yoking aside, no. Um, the, <laughs> the yoke Jesus is talking about is this yoke, Y-O-K-E, this big, heavy, wooden, metal, leather thing that you put on a beast of burden so that it can do all the hard work for you to make it so that animal can pull the plow or pull the carriage and pull you along in your chariot or or cart or whatever behind this animal. And Jesus was using this as a metaphor for the Old Testament law, that the way the religious leaders at the time were interpreting this, it was a burden to the people. It was an impossible standard that they could never live up to. And it was like wearing this heavy yoke as a beast of burden because they could never obey the law closely enough to feel they were fully righteous in the eyes of God. And so Jesus came along with by salvation, by grace, through faith in him that freed them from this yoke, this burden of this oppression of having to follow every letter of the law. Indeed, that they may be forgiven in spite of their sinfulness. And that brought this great freedom. And so this is the yoke of freedom. He said, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And pastors take on this yoke. The very stole that pastors wear is a symbol of taking on the yoke of Christ, carrying on that ministry of freedom in Christ to the people. But when does this yoke become a yoke that can wear you down through too much responsibility, through being overburdened in our ministries? Moses, in our passage today, was on the road to burnout. It's the clearest passage about burnout I've seen in the entire scriptures, and I don't know how I've missed it all these years. I've read this passage many times, just reading right through, and I, I've always caught where, okay, they're setting up the judicial system and delegating out uh, leadership in the, in the early ministry of the Jewish faith that led to our faith. 
Uh, but I never really caught how much this passage is about Moses trying to do it all and getting burned out in the process. He had come up with this unworkable solution. People were lined up out the door, thousands of people, to come to Moses alone to seek rulings between their disputes between each other, to seek justice for the oppressed, to seek guidance in their spiritual journeys, to seek an interpretation of how they should behave in their lives. And Moses was trying to do it all. And his father-in-law Jethro says, this is never going to work. You're only going to wear yourselves out. Notice it's plural. Moses wasn't just going to wear himself out, but the people were going to get worn out. Imagine Moses, I apologize if anyone here works for the Department of Motor Vehicles, Moses had turned their faith into a DMV office where people stood in line for hours waiting to get this critical thing done that they needed to do. And one person was there to help them out. And so they were getting worn out. Uh, imagine church being a DMV office. Not many people would come back a second Sunday after that. And Jethro knew this, and he says, you're only wearing yourselves out. There's got to be a better way. You've got to do something different. And so it is, though, with the church, when we put all the responsibilities on the pastor, has anyone ever heard, oh, that's the pastor's job. The pastor needs to do that. The pastor needs to do this because they are the leader. The pastor can't do it all. And this is what Moses was, was trying to do. And it, it becomes, pastors take on this responsibility with joy because it's the ministry they're called to do. The problem is when that uh, obligation comes on more and more and more and they find it more and more difficult to turn down those responsibilities that come their way. It leads to, uh, to pressure and stress and burnout. In 2008, Duke University started something called the Clergy Health Initiative. They did a survey of every United Methodist pastor in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, United Methodists aren't exactly snake handlers as a uh, denominational uh, application, so I assume we're fairly similar to Presbyterians in, in how we carry out and live out our faith and ministries. And I know that to be the case because I've attended both Presbyterian and Methodist churches over the years. So about 75 to 95% of of clergy responded, one of the highest response rate to a survey, to a survey ever done. Um, with over 1,700 participants in every survey, every two years since 2008, they've continued this survey. And so what it has become is the most comprehensive descriptive survey of the health of clergy and church leadership in the history of the church. And so I believe it not only has something to speak to the Methodists here in North Carolina, but but to all of us who are pastors and all of us who are church members as well. The survey showed that on average, most pastors work 30% to 90% more hours per week than they are appointed or paid to work. That's equivalent to working 52 to 76 hours a week on a regular basis. Between 40, 20 and 40% of pastors, depending on their appointment type, do not take a single day off during the week. They're working seven days a week in, in a lot of cases. Uh, in, in the four weeks prior to pastors filling out this survey, 22 to 35 percent of pastors say they have not taken a day of Sabbath in that four weeks, in that month prior to filling out the survey. Your pastors are disobeying the Ten Commandments and not observing the Sabbath because they're working so hard to serve their congregations. 
And people continue to joke that, that pastors only work on Sundays. They're working almost 80 hours a week a lot of times. Clergy continually have an obesity rate more than 10% above the average population. Uh, most churches have a, a steering committee, a guiding committee for the pastors. In the Methodist church, we call it the Staff Parish Relations Committee. You probably have a similar thing here. Um, most pastors, only 25% of pastors believe that those steering committees at their local churches have the slightest clue the pressures that they are under as a pastor, meaning 75% of pastors think those committees just really don't understand the, the pressures that come to them on a regular basis. Uh, pastors have a 58% higher probability to become depressed than the average American. 58% higher rate of depression as pastors than average Americans. There are three uh, symptoms of burnout that, that psychologists point to. 55% of pastors express or experience at least one of the three symptoms of burnout on a regular basis. 55%, more than half, are feeling burnt out at some level because of their pressures. And 25% experience all three. Pastors are under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, because they feel called to be in this ministry and, and to meet every need that comes up in the local church. Roughly 46% of, of clergy report experiencing stress very often to fairly often uh, due to challenges within their congregation. And 26%, say their last, second to last statistic, a lot of percents out here, uh, almost 26% say their congregations have made too many demands of them in the prior year before completing that survey. And yet, 82% of pastors report that their congregations are very or highly caring and loving people in supporting them in their ministries. Uh, pastors are eternal optimists. <laughs> I mean, you heard all the negative statistics, all the pressure they're under, and they will still say, my congregation is the most loving and caring people that I know. It, it has sometimes been joked that, <laughs> uh, that Methodists want their pastor to be at the hospital before they are. Uh, I, I hope you uh, Presbyterians are a little more generous with your pastor than the Methodists are. But friends, while it is your pastor's responsibility to go on vacation, and thank God Pastor Jeff has taken a vacation this week. I mean, it really speaks to the core of this message that, that you all have, have allowed that for him. Hallelujah. And I hope you'll do it on a more regular basis. And while it is your pastor's responsibility to look after their own health, mental, physical, and spiritual, I do believe, called out by this passage today where Jethro initiated this intervention, that it is your responsibility also to make sure they're taking that time of rest and renewal for themselves and their families, and also to not be responsible for laying on the burdens that build up this stress and lead to burnout. And the solution that Jethro proposed was to delegate the work. And this is really the solution within the local church as well. Get other people involved to share the workload. Not just for your pastor, but for the key ministries in your church that you believe are so important to the life and vitality of this church. 
So Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, cared enough to do this intervention. And he said, delegate the work. Train up good people to come in and do the work and spread the workload. Select some good people and let them decide the more simple cases. And you go ahead and take on the more difficult things, but spread out the workload. Jesus was all about delegation. We wanted Jesus to do all the work, but Jesus built his entire ministry around pointing to us in his core group and saying, you all are going to do this. Jesus said, you, the people saw Jesus do a miracle, a miraculous healing, and they said, wow, you know what amazing things you're doing. And he looks at them and says, you will do greater things than I have done and that I am doing. Jesus poured his life into a central group of 12 people so that when he was gone, they would carry on his mission and ministry. Even while Jesus was still among them, he sent out the 70 to go into the neighborhoods and then the neighboring towns and spread the good news. He didn't try to do it all himself. He was continually sending other people out to spread the message. Jesus said, you will move mountains by your faith. You will move mountains by your faith. As Jesus ascended, his last words to his disciples were, go and make disciples of all the world, that they will follow me, and that they will teach others to be disciples as well. Ever heard of the priesthood of all believers? Everyone ought to be wearing one of these stoles in their Christian walk, yoked to Christ and carrying out the mission and ministry of Jesus not just the pastor. Uh, in my ministry work, part of my, one of the central parts of my calling as I felt called into ministry was through some mission work I had done overseas and in the inner city and those types of areas. And, uh, and I believe that was going to be a central part of my calling to go overseas and, and serve and help the, the underserved in, in different areas. And since I've always been a part-time local pastor and felt called to continue my work outside of the church, that became difficult to do. And so what I ended up doing was taking appointments and youth director positions in suburban churches where my mission field was not the inner city people who were struggling, but instead suburban white kids, middle class white kids. And I would go to God after a youth group meeting and say, why, oh why, God, have you burdened me with these suburban white kids? I would much rather be serving the underserved in the inner city and in foreign countries. And the answer began to reveal itself where if I could convince 10 or 20 suburban white kids to care enough to go with me into the inner city and go to Honduras and go to Costa Rica and serve the needs in those areas, then how much more ministry and mission in the name of Jesus Christ could be accomplished through that group going rather than just me going by myself. And that is what Jesus is teaching us to do. Take others along with you. And how many of them over the years, not by the grace of me at all, but by the grace of God doing what the grace of God does, working in their hearts and lives to teach them to care so that they have gone on to be youth directors and pastors and missionaries. And so how much more the mission of the gospel is carried out when we train others and lead others along. In the case of Moses, his deciding to delegate the, delegate the work and take a step aside and find some rest and repose in the presence of God changed the course of history. Immediately after this passage, 
Moses went up Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments in the very awesome presence of the living God. And over the next several weeks and months, Moses, rather than getting stuck in the minutiae, trying to deal with every problem that came up in the local church, as it were, he would go continually up to Mount Sinai just to bask in the presence of God. And it was over the next 13 chapters of the book of Exodus, which I imagine you'll probably cover throughout part of this series, were Moses' trips up to Mount Sinai to receive from the very presence of God. He received laws of justice and mercy, instructions for how to build the tabernacle, which became the floor plan for the temple, which became the foundation for the church itself. He received instructions on how to perform sacrifices in worship to God that would become the model of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross for salvation of the world. Instructions on how to purify yourself for worship, which became the foundation of baptism that we practice in Christianity today. Instructions for building the Ark of the Covenant as a model for how to store and care for the very Word of God. Instructions on how to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. Not a bad level of productivity for a little silent retreat after being overworked. Now, I can't promise that Pastor Jeff cannot promise that Pastor Jeff is going to climb up Howard's knob and come down with the Ten Commandments. He might. I don't know. But what, what are the possibilities of what can you imagine if your pastor had more time for rest and recovery and spending time in the presence of God? What if your key church leaders weren't so weighed down with continually running the ministry that they're trying to run, if that person disappeared, would that ministry or that mission or that service project that you all consider so important, would that disappear if that one person were gone? If that's the case, then what the passage is calling you today to do is to be more involved as leaders, to train up more people to take your place, to be leaders. And as people who, who may not be quite as involved, the passage today is calling you to get more involved. Can you imagine the impact that First Presbyterian Boone could have on Watauga County and the world beyond if every single one of us here and all of those uh, listening online would take on the full mantle of the discipleship of all believers, the priesthood of all believers, to take the message of Jesus Christ out into the world? You have a small opportunity today. There are a lot of sheets out in the, the uh, gathering area outside the sanctuary of different mission opportunities for your August 7th uh, mission and service workday. I saw a lot of blanks on the forms out there. Maybe this message will be a little motivation, a little inspiration to go sign up. That's one day of service, friends. And if you're online, uh, you can email or check the church website to figure out how you can get involved in those service opportunities as well. There are a lot of different things. I'm sure there's one to meet everyone's different need. But again, maybe this, everything I've learned, I was asking Heather and Greg yesterday uh, about, you know, tell me about the life of your church. And, you know, Pastor Jeff seems to be a fairly fit guy. <laughs> and and uh, everything they were saying about the life of the church was just very positive. So maybe this isn't where you are as a church right now. But if you're in church long enough, it will be. You will come to a point where you'll notice the pastor is overworked or certain people are taking on too many responsibilities. And your call from this passage today 
is to, to keep an eye on that, to get involved early and often in the life of your church so that you may be a core part of maintaining its ministry, not just pointing to the pastor to always be the one to do that on your behalf. That this church may indeed impact Boone and Watauga County and the world beyond in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.